All right, and welcome back to Crossing the Rubicon. I'm your host, David Anaya, and I just want to quickly give a shout out to everyone who's been listening. That goes to everybody in the States, in the U.S. Virgin Islands, in Mexico, Ireland. Uh, we got a new one in Germany, Canada. You know, it, it all means so much to me, so I'm very much appreciative. Um, with that being said, today's episode, we're going to be talking to Bloss89. And in the interest of all honesty, I totally goofed, and I left my P4 running behind the interview for a little while. And I just urge you guys to look past it and to really focus on the really beautiful, and powerful message that Bloss89 is spitting. So with that being said, ladies, gentlemen, and all my non-binary folks out there, please help me welcome Bloss89. Yo, what's good, Blas? What's up, man? How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. How's everything with you? I can't complain. Can't complain. I love it. You know, it's been a little while since I've seen you. I'm not going to lie. Last time I actually when seen was you. was last time? Last time I seen you was at the show. It was actually the last show I've been to oh, before COVID. Office, right? Yeah. The margaritas and South Broadway. Yeah. And I'm not going to front dog you tore that shit down. Like, it's yeah. crazy because Iman had went before me with maintenance. Yeah. And that was a great set too. They had me in the pit and it's been a long time since I've like was partaking in any mosh pit activities mm-hmm. because I'm a little older now. I don't stretch as much. So like it's different. It it's different now. Yeah, bro, I'm stupid. I I'll be, be out of breath. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I gotta <laughs> do yoga because like I need to stretch. Yeah. You know, I feel it a little more, but it was so intense. So like the energy, that's like I love the energy. So I was like, oh, I have to go in. This shit is crazy. And I won't lie. After they performed, I was nervous. Mm-hmm. I was I don't get nervous when I perform, but I was nervous because I was like, damn, they really just like sucked the energy out. Mm. But I knew we were opening up with uh, Bulls on Parade, so I was like, nah, we're going to tear this shit. Yeah, like, that's that. a great one. That's yeah, I was like, you know what, man, I'm too competitive in a friendly way that I'm like, you know what, fuck that. We Me gonna, too. Let's, yeah. let's do it. And man, the energy just went after that, you know? I'm not going to lie, speaking of energy, it was a whole... Because, all right, so you, you're, your band and Iman's band uh, with Maintenance, or their, your two sets, I should say, yeah. were completely different from all the sets prior, right? Mm-hmm. But the whole energy in general was real yonkers, real, real yeah. moving, moving upwards but sideways. It was the first time I took a step back and really looked at the bigger picture mm-hmm. because there was a big picture there. Then I'm like, yo, we have people from the South side and the North side, yeah. you know, like really just came together tonight and showed love for everybody. Cause even when foreign went, when uh, Prada mama, like they showed love. It was everyone, love for everybody. Yeah, everyone yeah. stood for everyone. No one left. Mm-hmm. And if people left, you couldn't tell because it was still packed and it was just beautiful to see uh, it come together into fruition. And, it really set a standard for what the future could look like if we were to do that again. Yeah, it's really upsetting because you could feel the momentum yeah. in that show. You could really feel some momentum. Yeah. Like, it was one of those, like, I, I was there when, like, momentum started shifting in Yonkers kind of shows. Yeah. And then COVID hit, right? Mm-hmm. Um, which is unfortunate. But let's let's sort of go back before before we even get there, right? Because so we go by Blasco eighty nine now, but there was a time where you were singing prior, right? You were yeah. like headlining a band. How did you go from sort of or even before that? Let's let's go back. Like, were you always singing growing up? Uh, so it started. I mean, my mother always talks about how when I was a child, I would always like dance to Michael Jackson, mm. and I would always do it for like attention and yeah. I just love to make people laugh, love to keep people entertained. I don't know why. I just had, I guess, a gift for it 
because it brought me joy, mm. you know, and I started singing in church. You know, my grandfather, he's a pastor of a Pentecostal church. Okay. So we grew up extremely religious. And when I started noticing that I could sing, they were like, well, why don't you sing in church? You know, always pushing church, to be in the choir, right? Yeah. Not even a choir. We didn't the, have a choir. The chorus. But it was weird. Our church would be like eight hours. You know what I'm saying? Like we would do the morning would be around eight or nine until 12 break for an hour come back and the service would be from like one to six or seven and the first hour or two three hours would be them reading the bible them doing a prayer and then the specials where it could be people doing the pantomime shows mm -hmm. or people doing the resurrection of of you know christ and then people singing okay there was only a few like singers that would have solos and my grandfather always told me, oh, I don't know if it was my grandfather, it could have been my mother, but probably my mother, she was like, you know, why don't you sing for church? And I just started singing like famous songs from famous uh, Christian singers in Spanish. Okay. And I would buy the instrumental albums, we would play it in church, and I would just sing. Sing and, over it, that's fire. And that I remember because I would close my eyes for the whole thing. I couldn't look at people. I was extremely nervous because the church was packed. And the first time I started singing, I saw a bunch of people catching the Holy Spirit. Wow. And to me, when I opened my eyes and I experienced that, I was like, holy shit. Like, <laughs> music has such a deep connection, you know, mixed with, uh, you know, the lyrics being religious and spiritual. I had like my first real outer body experience where I'm like, wow. This is insane. That's why you say that, because yes, you're talking on a very spiritual realm, but they also say that there's very like scientific waves within music. Like yeah, there is a very sure. influential, if you like, there's certain play it a you certain deliver it, right. The notes that you hit, it really like it touches the soul. It's an influential medium. Yeah, yeah it's it's interesting. Yeah, I think that's what really made me want to pursue that the way i was delivering it versus the way other people would deliver it mm. the way i would had i don't know more meaning i guess and what because, gave it more meaning because i dug deep from you know like i guess the pits of my soul and like Oof. wanted to really just give people that message you know i didn't want to just recite lyrics i wanted to really i wanted to convince myself that mm. i believed in them because mm -hmm. me as a person i can't i can't give you something that i don't believe in right but the songs that i chose they resonated with me and I wanted to deliver it and be the messenger. And if I'm going to give you the message, I have to give you the message. I have to, you know, whether it's slapping you in the face or like whatever, you have to feel it. Yeah. You know, or else it's just words. So, so that's a great experience. I mean, who wouldn't like sort of move forward with that, right? Yeah. So you feel that in, in church, you feel that like Holy Spirit, mm -hmm. like rising in, in people. I thought I was going to be a gospel singer. Yeah. I thought that was my making. I was like, bet, I'm going to make some bread off of being a gospel singer. <laughs> He's about to I'm be. I'm going to get the fucking church bitches. Like, it's lit. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, your room is stuttered. Like, bro, man. I was ready to be that guy dressed in all white. Every, yeah. Every day. You know? Shiny. Yeah. But, you know, I mean. And what changed then? Uh, what changed for me was, well, I was going to church about three, four times a week. Okay. Because each week they had like Monday for the men, Thursday for the women, Friday for the youth, Sunday for everybody. Okay. I was going to every one of them. Right. I, I was just turning into one of those people that became obsessed. You know, I was trying to find God, and I thought the closer I got, I would have, like, that one-on-one. -on -one. And how old were you at this time? Uh, 16. 16? Okay. Yeah, and we would go to a bunch of conventions. Is this, like, like uh, the Royal Rangers? Or... Uh, they were called... Something like King that. Rangers, something King like Ranger. King Ranger. Okay, yeah. okay. They were called King Rangers. I didn't enjoy that shit. The thing is, my church was um, they spoke in Spanish mostly. Yeah. 
And me growing up, my father spoke only Spanish, my mother both, mainly English. So like my father didn't really teach me how to speak Spanish. You know, I was always around family members that spoke Spanish, but I didn't really grasp it. Mm. You know, and whenever my grandfather would preach, and he would preach for like two hours, this man was a machine. Um, I didn't understand any of it. <laughs> so I'm how? sitting there just like, God, I can't wait for this shit to be over. You know, and as I got older, I picked up on a few things, but I never truly grasped what he was saying in every sermon. So how does that work though? Because you were saying that you were sort of getting obsessed with like on you were obsessed with yeah. the spiritual well, I was journey. I finding my own path were... because the youth they were bilingual. Okay. For sure. They made sure that the youth was bilingual because a lot of us didn't speak Spanish. That makes sense. Yeah. You know, my grandfather he's old. He's old school. He's doing it for his people. Yeah, yeah. And he's hoping that he could reach us, but he's really like that man. I think I learned a lot from that man in terms of being an entertainer. Mm. He may have spoke for two hours, but there was something about his presence, the way he dressed, and the way he spoke to people afterwards. Everyone was his family member yeah you know? so i was gonna be a preacher too mm. i think i preached one service and i was like all right bet i'm gonna be a singer and a preacher <laughs> then i met this girl okay and once i lost my virginity i was like yo fuck church <laughs> i'm trying to get pussy man you know uh... <laughs> you know what i'm saying i don't even mean to be vulgar and shit but like i was like whoa <laughs> I'm like, Game changer. <laughs> I'm like, how come God don't feel like this? Oh my God. You know, so once once I lost my and I don't blame it on her. It was just me. It really awoken like because once that started happening and I started really thinking for myself, I was like, you know what, man, church and being this obsessed, there has to be a balance. Yeah. And my grandfather always told me, you know, it's either the world or the church. Mm. And I was like, man, I'm 16. You know, like I've been doing, I've been going to church for so long and I think I'm losing sight of what church is supposed to mean or what our religion means. And even they, to me, kind of lose sight of it too because they're very judgmental. Yeah, yeah. And they contradict themselves a lot. A lot, yeah. And um, I think they mean well. They want to heal you, but they're not understanding who you mm -hmm. are as a person. And to me, that kills me. And then the what put the nail in the coffin was when my brother came out to me. And I was like, you know what, man? If you're going to go to hell for, for your preference, then fuck it, man. We burn it together. Because I just can't sit with that. I can't look at you and be like, you're wrong. Yeah. For how, for how you feel or for your preference in a person. Yeah. No one should be able to dictate who you love. You know what I'm saying? That's for you. Right. That's your relationship. And if God can't understand that, then that's not my God. Mm-hmm. You know, so once I lost my virginity and once I started just thinking for myself and be like, you know what, I need to experience the world because I live in the world. I know it's the church versus the world, Grandpa, but I live in this world and I have to find my balance. I can't feel wrong for something that feels right to me. Yeah. You know, and maybe maybe later on I'll think differently, but right now I have to just be who I am and find myself and fuck up. Yeah. You know, so... Once that happened, stopped going to church. And once I turned 18, it was kind of like that's when life really started happening for me after high school. Mm. I will say this because I, I feel like this should be noted that um, I've heard that earlier versions of the Bible, that, that version, that portion that people speak upon. Now, I can't give you the scripture, yeah. but that portion that people speak upon that condemns gay people. Yeah. is actually written uh it says condemns people that like mess with little boys yeah so it's actually like condemning pedophilia mm. more than like homosexuality but you know what man to me it's all control anyway yeah you know what i'm saying not a lot of people are gonna i know a lot of people in that church don't dive that deep yeah that you that's another saying? problem it's is a that... small community yeah that lives in yonkers and most of them live in areas that are full of poverty that's that's a great that's a great thing to bring up because all right so i'm studying to be a teacher right yeah and the one thing they're always pressing upon us is that you have to teach students to want to do their own research yeah. right 
And it's not just so they can do well on the regions or whatever. No, to think. But, right, to think, to when they're in a presidential election, if one candidate is saying this, they can go and do their research. They know how to research. They know how to look at sources and stuff like that. But I also think that that translates not just on an academic level, but also in the spiritual um, realm, right? Because there are a lot of people who be like, yes, I'm a devout Christian, I'm a devout Muslim, devout whatever, right? But a lot of the people don't actually dive in and do their no, research. To some, it's just going to church. Right. You and, know? But if you can't, if you're not able, in my opinion, if you're not able to go and do this research, then you can't go and pass judgment. Mm-mm. Right? It, it's not fair because you're doing one You're doing one thing without the work yeah. to know what you're even Let talking. Let alone give a valid opinion. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's why I, I took everything with a grain of salt after that. Right. You know, it's like, you know what I've been doing? I've been raised this way for so long. And even the deprogramming was brutal. Yeah. Because I felt a lot of guilt. Yeah. I felt a lot of guilt having to, to really just turn my back. That's how I saw it at first. I'm mm-hmm. like, really turning my back on God and the people that I grew up with. You know what, though? It's a shame, though, because I feel like that's sort of an old guard mentality. It's a shame that you had to choose, that you felt like you had to choose. When in reality, you can't escape this world. You can't escape living in this, like, secular world. You have to still pay bills and live and and maintain, you know? You have a son, right? You still have to raise that son and and support him. And that includes being in this secular world. So I, I I would prefer to be taught the balance rather than, like, choose one or go to hell. You know what I mean? It's... I think, I think it's a tough way. All of this really led to my current evolution where I'm more about just be who you are supposed to be. Yeah. You know, and if you don't know who it is, then you have to really dig deep and find it and only you can find it or or don't ignore the signs the universe gives you. But I think at the end of the day, you go into your bed alone. Yeah. You wake up alone. You face the mirror yourself. No one puts on your shoes for you. No one pays your bills. The only thing that people could do is make you come. <laughs> You know <laughs> or or give you the food you eat if you don't cook it yourself. But other than that, like we all make choices for ourselves, and we just have to live with who we are because we're in this body. Our, our we believe in our spirits being in this body. Sure, we're trapped in these bodies, and we have to make the best of it. Yeah, you know, you have to kind of be happy with who you are, with knowing that there's room to improve. Yeah, and I think that's where the disconnection with my church was. I'm like, these people, they're great people, but they're stuck. In some world that existed a long time ago. Mm. And we don't even know if that really how it was or if this was a means of control that they wanted to use to keep people just ignorant and, you know, just feeding the higher ups. Right. You know, because I see a lot of people going into my church. They would give money to the to the ofrenda and these people didn't have money. Mm-hmm. But they were giving every dime to the church. And what broke me was when the church bought my grandfather a BMW. You know, that really broke my spirit. Because not that my grandfather doesn't deserve it. Mm -hmm. But where did that money come from? Because the people who worked for the church, they weren't doing well either. Mm -hmm. Where are they making all this income? It has to be the church. Mm -hmm. And they thought, oh, it would be a nice gesture to give him. But it's like, yo, man, there's people coming. I get that it's a business. Right. But to me, it kind of just like... It reminds me of how Joel Osteen has a motherfucking jet. Right. Or how all these preachers have jets, mm-hmm. private jets, and these huge churches. But you see something like that last, I forgot what the storm was called. They closed the motherfucking doors on them. Right, Joel Osteen didn't let anybody in, yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's like, uh, you don't owe anybody anything. Yeah. But if this is what you're preaching, if you're preaching to a community that's supposed to be together, and you close the door on them, it's like, 
what are we doing here? Right. I guess it is just a business. Mm. See, this is one of the reasons I have you on here because I don't see you as just, uh, no knock on anybody else, but I don't see you as, as like a baseless rapper. Like aside from being like a rapper with substance, you're also like a person with substance. Yeah. Which, I mean, we just went on, we haven't even spoken about, like, your rapping career at all. It's just all the experience, man. Yeah, and I love I've that, experienced, though. I think That's I've experienced testament. too much and too little at the same time. Yeah. And, and I, <clears throat> let me just say, I love my grandfather. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, that man is dedicated, he is ambitious, and he is loyal. But we just two different people. Yeah. And his community and I, we just, we just think differently. No knock on them. Uh, I wish them peace. I hope that they are able to prosper and provide. And that they're happy. Yeah. But it's not for me. When I was 18, I had my first couple of tattoos. I went back to church just for the hell of it. And some lady grabbed my arm and she was like, don't worry. God will still take you as you are. Damn, that's And I looked at her. I was like, well, how how am I? (laughs) I was like, do you know what's in my heart? And I think my mother had to grab me. Someone grabbed me because they saw that I was getting hot. Right, right. They had to chill you out. And I was just like, what the fuck does that mean? You know, you don't know my relationship with God. Mm -hmm. And that's what I stress. Your relationship with Whatever higher power you believe in, that's between you and them. Yeah. That's not for anybody else to judge or to dictate or to tell you what to do, you know? So, all right. So, so going back, you're 18, right? You've sort of mm-hmm. torn your relationship or your relationship with church has been torn. Yeah. Is that where you jump into now, like, the hardcore scene or mm-hmm. how do you become a front man? I how it went about, but I think someone was looking for a singer. Mm-hmm. And um, I guess this band maybe knew that I was singing. You know, I don't know how word was spread around that I was singing, but this band had contacted me, say, hey, we're getting rid of our screamer. He fucking sucks. Um, We want you to to scream for us. Have you screamed before? I'm like, nah, but I can sing. Uh And my first band practice, man, I think I I must have like, I fucked my throat up. Trying to scream? Because I never screamed before. Right. It's a tough thing. Let alone listen to hardcore music. I wasn't even listening to hardcore music. Like in high school, my senior year, I was just introduced to Deftones. Okay. And Deftones, to me, was mind-blowing. And then at the same time, and that was around 07, I was introduced to Dance, Gavin, Dance. Ooh, my favorite band of all time, yeah. I think Downtown Battle Mountain was, like, the album that year. I'm not sure what year that was released, but I remember when someone introduced me to that album, I was like, I was like, who is this nigga? Right. <laughs> who is this nigga singing all melodic? Right. this heavy shit? Right. And, and when I heard the screaming at first, I was like, ooh. This is the music that my church told me to stay away from. Right. But there was just something melodic about Johnny where I was like, yo, I can get into this. Mm -hmm. And this is what I like. And the energy. The energy that they had was so authentic. And once that band had asked me to try out, I was like, you know what? I want to do some, like, singing. I want to do that melodic singing because no one does that. Not a lot of singers, you know, do that melodic singing. Aside from Johnny, not a lot. Yeah. He was really the one. Yeah. He was really the one. And uh, yeah, I remember our first show. Our first show was in fucking um, the YMCA. Wow. The YMCA. In the basement? In the basement. Yeah. Our band was called uh, Love, Lies, and Ashes. Fire name. I know. And uh, I got into a fight my first show. With uh, with somebody in the so, band? Um, or So there was a lot of bands, or not a lot of bands, but there were some bands, I guess really the pioneers of like the scene. Because we didn't really have a scene. Right. You know, I think we didn't really have venues. I mean, we're performing at the fucking YMCA. That's true. You know, no knock on them, but like, that's not a real venue. That's not a that's venue, a yeah. So. We had the haunt for a little bit, but then. Oh, uh, man. Do you remember that? I remember the haunt. You remember the haunt? Because we used to like go to see all, like people would come out. Dude, I saw Vanna there. That's like, what I'm saying. Like Vanna came to Yonkers. Yeah. 
Like, that, that was legendary. That was crazy. Yeah. yeah I was there like, yo. It was one of my first couple of shows. I'm like, yo, what is this? It's, it's intense, bro. Because it's if you didn't grow up really like listening to it or it's it's a kind of a culture shock. It is. That's what it was for me, especially being religious. I was like, whoa, how did I end up here? It smacks you, you know, and even to this day, it still smacks you. But now you're in love with the smack. So you're waving with it. You're moving with it. But without hardcore intense. music, I wouldn't be where I'm at. And I really, uh, mm. without church, but without hardcore music, I wouldn't be where I'm at as a person. I could almost say same, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because I love hip-hop. I love, I even love pop. I love reggaeton or all Latin music in general. But hardcore music was really like the start of my true evolution as finding who I am because that community is like we're all together OD you know what I'm saying just like when you see someone moshing they pick you up you right fall. you fall it's everyone you stops know, picks like, you up yeah. alright we keep going yeah, yeah. we keep going and like I love that and I yeah. love the whole togetherness and, and it was really fun times man like those times can't be replicated can't very accepting community it's one thing you could just be as radical as you want to be as as out of this world as you want to be and you're still one of us in I a way know, man. It, was, it was beautiful yeah. just excited to go to shows it's nuts and it's a shame but i never got to see you live uh i would always hear from you yeah. uh hear about you from my boy it wasn't rob. that good though no? but you know what those guys like rob and talls like they always showed love man yeah and i think that's just who they are as people in general, like just speaking of people of their caliber and Yonkers, like they just enjoyed being together and supporting. And but I wasn't that good, you know. Like <laughs> I could sing, but I wasn't the entertainer that I am now. Okay. And I needed that. I needed to look back at that and be like, damn, I was nervous. Yeah. You know, because you're in front of a whole bunch of people. This is hardcore music. I'm fucking singing my ass off. No one's really singing in New York like That's that. That's true. It was just nerve wracking, man. It was nerve wracking because they even had pit crews, you know, and it right. was just like, yo, I'm about to sing. Like, these niggas gonna be like, yo, what is this? It's shit? an intimidating, like, scene every, for every sure. Every show yeah. we had, we were always the one that stand out, mm -hmm. good or bad. Yeah. You know, some people weren't receptive to it. Some people were like, whoa, this could go somewhere. So definitely a lot of evolutions, man. I mean, that, just from that, I'll never forget that first YMCA show. I turned my back to everybody. I couldn't look at people. Yeah. You know, this was different from church. You know what I'm saying? People wanted to, like, tear each other apart. Right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? We go from the Holy Spirit to, like, holy shit. Yeah. You know, so yeah. it was different. And it took me five years to even look at people. Yeah. It was that how long home. that band stood together? About five years, yeah. We went through, uh, just a long story short, they kicked out one of their guitarists. Okay. And she was, like, really the... Her and her parents were really, like, the ones that funded the band. Okay. But they were just like, yo, we need to move on. They found a new guitarist, and we had one practice. This guy was, like, elite. Oh, wow. And he pulled me aside. He was like, yo, we're kicking everybody out. And starting our own band. Lit. <laughs> I was like, why don't we just start our own band? <laughs> he was like, no, we need to keep some people. <laughs> and he ended up kicking out the bassist. He found a bassist, then ended up kicking out the drummer, brought his own drummer. And then the guitarist, um, he had an episode, kind of had like a mental breakdown. So he was out. So we became a four-piece. A four-piece? Classic. And then, uh, then we just made great music. We had great chemistry. And then what and happened there? Was that under the same name? No. So we went from Love, Lies, and Ashes to A Sky Cloaked in Grey. A sky, yo, both fire-ass names. A Sky Cloaked in Grey. And then gray. from A Sky Cloaked in Grey, we were just like, yo, we need something shorter. Something <laughs> simple. And we were just like, all right, Man of Wave. Whatever. A Man of Wave? A Man of Wave. I like, like that. Right, cool. That's even fire, too. That's like three for yeah. three. 
You know what I'm saying? So Amanda Wave was like, it was like, all right, let's do this. And we really invested a lot of time and money. The only thing I regret is not being able to tour. I just don't think we were ever ready. I don't think we really gave our, not that we didn't give our all, but we just didn't understand the business. Okay. And we didn't have people that really, um, I guess, could help us. That's how I feel, at least. Mm -hmm. You know, I feel like we didn't seek for help. Not a lot of people were willing to help us. There were people that helped us, but it wasn't enough for us to be like, hey, you guys want to tour with us? Because that's how it was back then. Right. You know, it's different now. Now you have to really go get your shit. Yeah. You know, but we just never really built true camaraderie with other bands. Mm. I think other bands were either too competitive with us or just didn't care. Mm. You know, so we kind of just, it really was, uh, we hit the peak real quick. You know, we hit that ceiling real quick, but I think if we would have stuck with it, obviously we would have got somewhere. Right. But you know what? Things happen. People change. Relationships change. And everyone moves on. Shit. Well, I mean, that could have been something. But I see you doing something now. So let's let's get there, you I know? Mean, yo, How did man. you get from so being once we broke up, man? Once we broke up, they all went to school. Uh-huh. I was a terrible student in high school. You know, I cheated. I, I graduated in summer school. I cheated in summer school on the Regents. Easy as fucking shit, bro. Did you pass? But I was just, of course. All right. I went to I was like, hey, yo, I gotta go to the bathroom. Went to the bathroom. I had the fucking answers in my pocket. I was like, oh, I gotta memorize this shit. Went back and I was like, fuck, man. Why'd I do this to myself? Damn. I was gonna get left back, man. I was. My mom broke my heart. She bought me a car saying, hey, you made it. And then found out we had to go to summer school. She broke down in front of me. I was like, fuck, I gotta do this. Oh, man. I gotta go to summer school. It'd be like that. It oh, really be like that. Man, mom, like. I know, bro. My yeah. mom is everything to me. Same. My mother really, to this day, you know, she really holds me together. Yeah. And I think maybe subconsciously is a reason why I'm single. Mm. Because I haven't found a woman as amazing as her. Oof. And I don't want her to be the bar because that's my mother. Right. But there's things that she does, the way she takes care of me, I'm like, damn, I'm never going to find a woman like this. <laughs> and that's okay because my son's mother, she was very tough. Very like, she didn't baby me. And I grew because of that. Uh-huh. You know what I'm saying? Like, my mother, yeah. all that care, it could, it did something to my growth. Right. You know, it kept me very childlike. Uh-huh. But without her, I'm nothing. And I graduated because of her. But after that, I was like, fuck school. <laughs> and it just wasn't for me. Or maybe I just didn't care enough to try. Because, okay. you know what I'm saying? Just speaking to you and seeing what you're trying to do, you have a thirst for it. Mm -hmm. And I wish I had that. I wish I had that drive. And I wish that I could put myself in that position but it all boils down to i don't want to mm. so everyone went to school i had nothing i don't know if you know gino uh he goes by noel i know of him i know yeah. of him yeah i forgot how i met him i met him and huff and they were rapping making music mm -hmm. and i was like well i need something it was probably through my boy pete and they were rapping and singing and making music and i was like i need an outlet i i have to pursue this i came too far like to just you know so i took that year i took a year off I was partying, I was drinking, I was, you know, just having fun because before that it was just a grind. Mm -hmm. And when I met them, they were like, yeah, we're doing something like, you know, you should come through, like, you know, chop it up, see what you like. Right. And then I started singing with them. But it wasn't until the first time I saw my boy Huff record and rap in front of me where I was like, I want to rap. <laughs> I was like, fuck all that shit, man. He looks cool as hell rapping. <laughs> and you had never rapped before that? Never rapped. Probably like in middle school. You know, when I was listening to hip-hop heavy. On some, like, the on the lunch table type shit. Yeah, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Grind and Grind and beat, yeah. Bro, I mean, bro, that's legendary for a reason, yeah. you know? But prior to that, those five years prior to that, 
I was listening to nothing but hardcore music. Mm-hmm. I didn't even know what was popping in hip hop at then. And this is around 2012. So this is probably like ASAP era. Okay, yeah. And I was like, fuck it, I want to rap. And they were like, all right, cool. You know, we're not going to hold you back. Do what you want. Right. Man, those first two years of rapping were eye-opening. In which ways? Oh, I was terrible. <laughs> I was like, you could not listen to me. I have those records, too, still. And I'm like, if these ever got out. <laughs> they go with you to the grave. <laughs> they are, man. I don't know why. I still have to just delete them. You should. But just... I listen to it every now and then. I'll be like, yeah, I'm, I'm, right. I'm good. I'm good. I'm nice. Yeah. I'm nice because this shit was garbage maybe you maybe you secretly hold on to them to like stay humble it i do yeah right yeah because i listen to them with like one of my homegirls that's been with me from the beginning shout out to gina and it's just like i can't believe that this is where i started (laughs) you know what i'm saying like i was such a great singer and i chose to be a terrible rapper i love that though we should we should make a, a point of that because a lot of people start something and then they just want the instant gratification. They yeah. want to be nice at it right away. And it's not like that for yeah. like 99.9% of the things. Whatever, you, you might have a natural talent for it, but what's the saying? Like, hard work beats talent when when talent doesn't work hard, Facts. right? Yeah. So if, if you're not going to like go into it and still grind, imagine if you would have gave up those two yeah. years. Because now when I go see you at the shows, you really command the stage. You really have a presence. You really, aside from the bars, which are legit, I don't even yeah. think we have to go there. Like, <laughs> But in terms of the presence, uh, which I think is, is in a lot of ways more important. Mm-hmm. A lot a lot of ways, you're, for me, what makes an artist is like the persona. It's like the character around you, right? I, I can like, you're a wrestling fan, right? It's like, mm-hmm. you could be the greatest wrestler in the world, but if your character is not great, then you're not selling merch or whatever, you know? So it's the same. Who are your favorite wrestlers? Just off the head. Like, maybe like, name like three. Seth Rollins, The Undertaker, and, I don't know, Stone Cold maybe. All characters. Right. Especially Seth, who's yeah. been through so many evolutions. True. Stone Cold, definitely my number one. And Undertaker, he's there. And it's presence, you know? And Stone Cold, you know, his story, like, frustrated with where he was going with his career, comes to WWE, and is just like, fuck it. Right. You know? And kind of just really just grinds it out and finds himself and just turns it up, you know? Because he always says, you know, Stone Cold is me, just turned up by 10. Yeah. And that's what I love. I love seeing a character who is just always in rare form. Right. You know, who just really was like, you know what? I don't give a fuck. This is who I am. You love it or you don't. And that exudes off of you when you're on stage. You know what, man? I always had body image issues. I was always a big person, not for most of my life, but definitely as a teenager into my early to now adult years. And uh, I was always very Mm self-conscious. I'd always wear black. I mean, I still wear black, but... I would always wear black to like just look slimmer and I never did anything about it except try to mask it. Mm. And that followed me throughout most of my career where I always just try to like wear baggy clothes or whatever the case may be. And it wasn't until the last three to four years where I was like, you know what, man, I have the choice to do something about it or I don't. Mm. But this is who I am for the time being. I have to accept that this is who I am. I have to find love in that because no one looks like me right no one is me no one could do what i do no one has the talent that i have and if they do they're not doing anything with it Mm -hmm. that i know of so that's when i really just started like opening myself to all the possibilities of where i could go what i could do 
and how I could make an impact. Mm. Because at the end of the day, I was like, well, it's just me now. Right. There's no bands to distract me. Right. Now you went from playing basketball to like, now you're playing tennis. I now know. it's just you and out it's there. And it's like, well, yeah. well, I'm the brand. Right. Amanda Wave was us. Mm-hmm. Blas 89. Is you, me. yeah. So it, fa- it forced me to face my fear and I had so much fun. Mm-hmm. I was like, whoa, people really fuck with me. Yeah. You know? And... I didn't do my first show until like two years after, like really getting decent. And that fun that I had, I was like, okay, well, yeah, I'm on the right path. Mm-hmm. I can't give up now. You no, felt it, it was yeah. worth it. And just being a wrestling fan where all my favorite wrestlers have charisma. Mm-hmm. You know, no matter where they are on the totem pole, if they have charisma, they have me. Right. And I always saw how the fans just loved them. You know, and I wanted that feeling. I'm like, you know what? If I'm going to go on stage, if you're going to pay $10 for a ticket, I'm going to give you $20. Yeah. Worth your admission. Yeah. But to me, energy is important. Yeah. You know, energy is important. I don't I don't go to a show to watch a motherfucker stand. Yeah, that's true. And it's, rap. It's not the same, especially if like, all right, so let, let's speak on it right now as we're sort of winding down. You're making these moves now. I mean, you're on the record that plays every time Eddie Kingston comes out. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Like you're, you're on, you're, you're on Sway 45, right? Like mm-hmm. you're making these moves that are, for me, eye-opening. And, and I'm really impressed, really proud of you as Thank far you. as the city goes. And so with that being said, like where do you see yourself What's your trajectory here? Where do you where do you see yourself moving forward? Uh, I have a lot of music in the works. To me, it's always about perfecting the sound. Mm-hmm. A lot of rappers now, or artists in general, they feel the need to have to release something every month. Mm. It don't work like that for me. I'm a slow burn. You know, I have music from 2017 that still gets played. I could still perform it. Yeah. And it feels fresh because I put a lot of love into those records. Mm-hmm. I gave I give people me. Yeah. And the thing is, when I give you me, I'm giving you a lot of experience. I'm giving you a lot of love, a lot of heartbreak. I'm giving you an opportunity to see where I came from. Yeah. And again, I've been through a lot. A lot of people have been through a lot worse, but I'm very honest. I'm very, I try to be very genuine and not force anything. So all my new records, they're very personal, always going to be personal. If I can't connect with you, then it's not for you. And then I'm not doing my job either. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I know that I'm not for everybody, but I always try to connect with people through my pain because there's positivity in that. Right. There's growth in, in pain mm-hmm. if you decide to do something positive with it or you decide to do something about it. So just a lot of new music. Um, right now I'm focused on my merch, mm-hmm. you know, because my merch to me is very personal. Where, too, where can we find that merch? My Instagram. Where's, I ain't doing that? no websites, man. I'm just doing, you know what I'm saying? What's the Instagram? Uh, fingers number two fat. Fingers hey, too fat, baby. Feel me? Somebody took my motherfucking artist name, so I was like, "Fucking man, let me see." Okay, my fingers is kind of fat. Fingers too fat. <laughs> fat. You know. Speaking of that, like, alright, so is eighty nine the year you're born? Yes. Okay. Eighty nine okay. is the year I'm born. Blas. What happened was people just didn't want to call me Blasco. Okay. They're like, we just gonna call you Blas. I was like, all right, bet. I feel that. I mean, yeah, that's I how like, I, right. that's how I call Whatever. you sometimes. Yeah. I'm, you know, people don't want to say Blasco. Cool. It sounds kind of just like. It don't roll off the tongue the way it should. I mean, it's a cool name. It is a cool name. It's a cool name, but every Blast just is like it's easier. Blast, what up, Blast? But Blast City Nine, yeah. I mean, I was gonna change my name recently too. Yeah, to what? I was gonna change my artist name to to Blasco Beltron. Blasco Beltron. Yeah, that's a cool name too. I think Blast City Nine, at this point, is 
you know, it's pretty well known. Yeah. You know, like, I think, I always hear people telling me, like, oh, I'm trying to get us to work with this, like, legendary producer. Mm -hmm. And I asked him if he knew you. He was like, yeah, that's the dude that sings. So I think at this point, it would be, it would hurt me more if I changed my name after all that I've built. You're already building a brand now. And that brand I, is Blase I'm building 89. a brand, and I'm really out there, and I'm grateful, and I'm excited for what's next, because despite COVID, the grind doesn't stop. Right. We still have to go out there and get it, because no one's going to get it for you. Big time. And you just have to love what you do, man. If you don't love what you do, then what the fuck's the point, man? I mean, the money's going to come later. Yeah. I always believe that. I'm like, yo, the money, we'll figure that shit out later. Because mm-hmm. if you do it for money, man, this shit really don't work. It doesn't. Like, I put out, I remember I put out hoodies because I needed money. Mm-hmm. They didn't sell. Mm. As opposed to where I was excited, I'm like, yo, I really love this shit. Like, Your heart was and, in it, yeah. You know, so I, but I always go into everything low expectations. Yeah. You know, that humbles me too. I'm like, the low expectations because shit could really, like, you think is going to pop. Right. Pop. Right. And that's life. That is life. That's life, and that's what keeps me humble. Life always humbles me. That's why I cannot have an ego. <laughs> because life will always remind me, like, nigga, you ain't shit. <laughs> you ain't shit. Even if you up here, you still ain't shit. Because once you get that. to the top, the only place you can go is the bottom. So. Shit. But life so, keeps yeah. humbling you, and you keep Facts. getting back up, though. Yeah, man. New music, new merch. I'm building with a lot of other wrestlers. Oh, yeah? Behind the scenes. Let's get it. I'm, I'm going to be that guy, man. I make theme songs for... um. UFC podcasts. I'm gonna do secretly. I'm working on a song, a theme song for a fighter who's fighting for the belt next. Oh what? Just putting that out there, and uh, you know what I'm saying. Secret, I'm just not so man. secret. Like. Secret, not so secret. But <laughs> just know that if you don't take any risks, you will not get to where you go. Because you know, I quit my job recently. I was tired of all the bitching. Uh-huh. I'm tired of all people just treating me like. And that's where my ego came into play a little bit, where I was like, motherfucker, you know how good I can sing? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I was like, what you just say to me? You don't know how I can sing, right? That's what it is. You don't know how I can sing. But right. I'm like, you know what, man? I'm going all in. Yeah. I'm quitting this job because it's toxic. I need to find another way to make money, of course, because I have my beautiful son that I got to provide for. But you have to go all in. Mm-hmm. That's the thing about this game. Like, you have to go all in because if you don't, someone else will. Yeah. And get to where you think you should be. Right. And it makes people bitter. You know what I'm saying? At the same time, this shit is a marathon, not a race. Right. So if it don't happen today, it could happen tomorrow, it could happen next week. Mm-hmm. But it will happen. As long as you keep pushing towards that. That's what I'm saying, man. People just want that instant gratification or they don't work like that. When it comes to your dreams, like, you really have to put in the time. And I've been doing this for 10 years. Yeah. And the best is yet to come. I haven't even started. Oof. I haven't even fucking, like, really, like, taken off yet. And... To believe I've done so much already, like, it's like, nah, I have yet to do anything. And I'm saving up the energy to do it now. Because when I really step into the game, I'm going to fuck everything up. And I'm going to make sure people know that Yonkers has more than just DMX. Jadakiss, Sheik, um, Styles, Barry. You know what I'm saying? They They also got... They have Lost 89. Let's get it, baby. Why, yo? You fish.